4: You are now listening to the Football Five. Only on the W2M Network.
5: Alright, welcome to the Football Five. Alongside Eric Watkins, Joshua Laurie, Dylan Goldman, and Rachel McCrigger, I'm Steven Err. As we do every week on this show, we're just gonna go right over the final scores from week seven. Thursday night, the Packers beat the Bears twenty-six to ten. In London, the G-Men beat the Rams 17-10. The Bengals beat the Browns 31-17. The Lions beat the Redskins 20-17. The Dairies dominated the Jaguars 33-16. Chiefs overcame the Saints 27-21. The Dolphins beat the Bills. Upset right there. 20-25. The Jets knocked off the Ravens 24-16. The Eagles their first loss of the season 21-10. The Colts beat the Titans 34 The Chargers shocked. The Falcons, 33-30, in overtime. Bucks run over the Niners, 34-17. Pats beat the Stellars, 27-16. The Seahawks and Cardinals finish at a 6-6 tie. And Monday night, the Broncos beat the Texans, 27-9. All right, crew. Takeaways from Week 7.
0: So, the Pittsburgh Steelers, everyone expected them to go into uh, their game. They were at home. Uh, They everyone thought they were going to get like a 50 burger smacked against them by Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Julian Edelman and uh, LeGarrette Blunt. But it really wasn't that bad. Landry Jones, while he didn't play great. He wasn't bad either. Yes, he did have that pick in the end zone, but he did have some really nice passes. He found Darius Hayward Bay in the end zone. He found Antonio Brown for, um, I can't remember specifically how many yards, but there was a long ball there. And he he gave the Patriots a run for the money because if you looked at the stats, uh, Le'Veon Bell only ran for 81 yards. He didn't do much. All of the action the had, Steelers had was... In the air, the Steelers, they certainly could have won the game, but they did have those two missed field goals. They did have that pick in the end zone, and there were just not enough third downs converted. But all in all, without Big Ben, it really wasn't as much of a blowout as a lot of people thought it would be. So give them credit for sure, 100%.
3: That's true, but I still have no faith if we have to go into a playoff game with Landry Jones as our quarterback, and that's mainly because our defense, especially our secondary, is still very much a work in progress. When you've got an elite quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger, that's not so much of an issue, but once you get to a replacement-level player, and yeah, that, that honestly is what Landry Jones is given the play of substarting quarterbacks, there isn't really much that you 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 can do with a uh, average to below average defense.
1: Personally, Landry Jones takes a side. I was left with this week with a couple of burning questions. Am I the only one that wonders what Brian Hoyer and Geno Smith did to deserve incidents like what's happened with them over the past couple of seasons? And also, am I the only one that was more interested in the movie Tank Girl than the Sunday night game between the Seahawks and Cardinals? Eesh. Yeah,
3: that game was... Words that I can't say on this podcast because we're committed to keeping it family friendly. But I ended up turning it off and working out. And if you know me in real life, working out for me is like a once every three weeks excursion because I end up hurting myself doing that.
2: And you wonder why the NFL ratings are down. But for me, my main takeaway is the Atlanta Falcons. We, our, our crew, basically, a lot of us did not believe the Falcons were for real. We said we have to wait until week 11 or week 12 until we really started to believe them. And our beliefs are coming true. They were 4-1, a tough loss to Seattle, pass interference, no pass interference. Who knows what happens after that? They lose to Seattle. And then last week was really an ominous sign for Falcons fans. They start slow against the Chargers. But then get a big lead, big lead on them. All of a sudden, it's tied. It goes to overtime. They go for it on fourth and one when they could have kicked the field goal. They go for it. They don't get it. The Chargers go down, kick a field goal, and the game is over. And the Falcons are now four and three with a showdown against Green Bay coming this week. So I must ask the question: Their division is terrible, but is this a Falcons team that might start to, might start experiencing? flashbacks from last season. I mean, that's something we got to watch out for because they've now lost two straight. They're playing a Green Bay team that is coming off a bounce-back win last week. Granted, it was against the Bears, but it was still a bounce-back win. So it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back from this two-game losing streak heading into their next couple of games.
3: Okay, Dylan, I've got to correct you real quick. Uh, One, the fact... You can't compare what the Falcons did last year to this season just because of how putrid their division is looking. I mean, no, there isn't a team that looks like they're anywhere near being a wild card team. Also, you've got to remember, we're talking about the Bears with Brian Hoyer as a starting quarterback, and they've got a lot of their team missing out with injuries. A win against the Bears isn't instilling any confidence with the fact that the Packers have not looked explosive on offense. Their defense looks like a mess. I mean, here's the thing. The NFL right now is looking like it's a league anybody you can win in any given week unless you're playing the Patriots. But not because all the teams are great. All the teams are playing incredibly sloppy football. Ultimately, I think the Falcons are going to be fine. I love their coach being super aggressive in overtime. Yeah, that was a dumb place to go for it when you play for field position in that situation, but I can respect his call. Also, the Chargers were overdue for a win, okay? They are a team who has been underachieving because they've gotten a couple of bad breaks. That was a karma win as far as I'm concerned.
5: I want to go back to Rachel's point here. Landry Jones, and I watched this Patriots game against the Steelers. He did pretty well. I was impressed. I was not expecting him to do as well as he did. Of course, they lost the game by 11, which is not good for being what the Steelers have. That's not Big Ben. And by the way, if you live under a rock or you just don't pay attention to the Steelers, you wouldn't know. Big Ben is going to be out the next three or five weeks with a torn meniscus. He had surgery on it the day after they lost to the Dolphins. But well, he, he did, is going he to did
0: Practice today.
3: He did. Yeah, <laughs> he expects to be in full practice next week, which is terrifying because Ben Roethlisberger. He I don't know if he what the doctors are letting him do, but he kind of thinks he knows the human body better than they do.
5: Yes. Yeah. and that leads to my next question for you two Steelers fans, and also Dylan and Eric. After the performance against New England, should the Stellars really rush Big Ben back? Um,
0: I, I, I don't think so because I really, I really don't see the need to rush him back because you want to have your quarterback at a hundred percent. There's, there's no doubt about that. They have the bye week next week. They have Baltimore the week after that and they have Dallas. Yeah. They would love to have, um, Ben Roethlisberger for those games, but if he's going to be there and he's not going to play at 100%, then that's that's not the Big Ben that we're used to watching. And that's not the Big Ben that's going to win for us.
3: So, yeah.
0: Sorry, go ahead, Josh.
3: Yeah, I mean, we saw exactly what happens when Big Ben tries to tough it out. Sometimes it's necessary. During the AFC playoff game, wildcard game last year, that was necessary. But Landry Jones is a more mature player. He's now playing within himself. He's more familiar with the playbook. And also we do have Le'Veon Bell, the most explosive offensive player in the league. So I think that we should, that Big Ben should take his time and come back easily. Now is Roethlisberger Roethlisberger going to do that? No. He said today that he expects to resume full practice next week. He is the Russell Westbrook of the NFL. Just a crazy competitive guy who's a great player but doesn't know his physical limitations.
2: Yeah, I don't know if it's totally necessary to rush Ben Roethlisberger back right now. You're still in a good situation right now despite being in, uh, him being injured and having lost two straight games. You still have control of that division. You know, there's really no reason to rush him back because you don't want him to come back re-injure himself or play at a lesser level than he is expected but knowing him and according to these reports it seems like he is healing faster than expected and he is feeling better as it goes so I don't know if he's gonna need to take all the time that his timetable says he's going to need but there is no reason for you to say oh we've lost two straight games we need you back right after the bye week if he's not ready after the bye week then sit him out and evaluate it week by week. But from what I'm hearing, it appears he prob- he might be in there for that game. But if he's not, then there's really no reason right now to rush him back yet.
1: Uh, personally, I've seen a lot of timetables as far as his injury. First, it was just a, it was incredibly long four to six weeks, then two to three, now three to five. I say, if anything... You still want to look for the long-term, not just this season, but next season. Don't rush him back. Landry Jones has finally proven he can be something of an NFL quarterback. And if you're looking at long-term strategy for the Steelers, they have to determine, is this a guy who is a capable backup, or do we have to go and scout around and find ourselves another one come April? Your only real competition in that division is Cincinnati, and I don't see them doing anything except crumbling late in the year. So Pittsburgh can afford to slow play this, and that's what they should do.
0: And to go back to Eric's point where he said that Landry Jones is finally becoming a more mature quarterback and something of a NFL quarterback, yeah, He certainly did against New England. But the thing with Landry is that he's not consistent, and he's shown that before. So now it's just try to keep it consistent. I mean, the bye week, it comes at a good and bad time for the Steelers. It's a good time so they can recoup from injuries, but now Landry Jones is going to be taking a step back from football for a minute, and he's not going to be playing. So he has to regain whatever confidence he got out of the New England game, which he should because he did not play terrible. And he has to go to Baltimore and get a division win. But yeah, he definitely showed that he can be a quarterback in the NFL, but now he just has to prove that he can be a consistent quarterback in the NFL.
5: Well, let's look at the next couple of games for the Stellars. Bye-week this week at Baltimore. Baltimore's lost four in a row. They're garbage. I mean, so I've, I didn't want to believe it at the beginning of the season, but I think Josh said that they're going to deteriorate, and uh, uh, they've deteriorated. Dallas, you're placing a rookie. You, that defensive line can stuff Zeke. They can pray. I'm sure sure they can stop Dak Prescott. That's coming from a Cowboys fan. Uh, okay, yeah, but you're We're not, not going giving
3: there. your Cowboys enough credit. Their offensive line is just manhandling people. And uh, the Steelers are one of the more beat-up teams. We've got two of our best defensive linemen out. We're starting our third-round pick, who is an absolute beast, but we weren't intending him to be our next Casey Hampton this early in his career.
0: And the Steelers' lack of pass rush is an extreme lack of pass rush. Like, they, I think they've maybe stacked a quarterback – four times this season, and and that's being generous. It's either three or four. They haven't gotten to the quarterback at all this season. So I don't know. They're letting a lot of um, against Miami and against New England. Both running backs rushed for over 100 yards. The Miami running back rushed for 206 yards. So they they just need to get their defense together. And, yes, of course, that's what Josh said. We're out. We're lost without our two best defensive linemen. That certainly plays a role. But now these young guys—they just—they got to work together. They got to be the steel curtain.
2: Yeah, the Cowboys have been a hard team to stop for most healthy defenses. Forget a defense that already entered with one of the with one of the least talented defenses in the league coming in, and now they are depleted. It's going to be tough for them to stop Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott assuming Prescott is in, although we don't know for sure if he's going to be starting past the Philadelphia game this weekend. So, that's going to be a tough game for the Steelers to win. If Big Ben is back, then they probably have the slight edge, but their defense is going to have to step up and make enough plays because if it's Dak or Romo, Ezekiel Elliott's going to still be in that backfield and they're going to have a formidable quarterback, whether it's Dak or Romo. So, that offensive line is just absolutely dominated opponents their defense is playing much better than we all expected so this is a Cowboys team that's really trending upward one of the best teams in the league to date so even with Ben Roethlisberger that's gonna be a tough game but without it'll be another challenge for an injured Steelers team
1: personally looking at those two games looking at the scenarios I think to myself, would a one-and-one stretch during those two weeks be terrible for the Steelers? I don't think so, and I think one-and-one is achievable. Now, if Landry Jones can continue to progress, they could at least hang tough with the Cowboys. Because let's face it, with Ezekiel Elliott, with Dak Prescott, who's still going to be the starter and now he's getting more and more of a relationship with more of his receivers, as Ryan aside, they can put up better offensive numbers, and who knows what can happen if that game turns into a shootout. So, 1-1 one and one with a possibility of 2-0? and oh, Steeler Nation shouldn't be too worried right now. Come on, you're talking about Pittsburgh football fans.
3: All they know how to do is overreact. Now, Another fan base that has to be panicking, and they've got a legitimate reason to, has got to be the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, goodness gracious. I don't know if any of you are familiar with this, the Blake Bortles Wikipedia Reading Club, but I am a card-carrying member. But it is getting hard to, you know, be a Blake Bortles fan in public, because he has been... He's been perfectly mediocre. You guys remember that uh, TI song from a couple years ago, No Mediocre? Yeah, Blake Bortles is not anybody who has any business being around that song. But also, uh, I've got to say, I am amazed that Gus Bradley still has a job coaching in the NFL right now. I mean, okay, I, I, I bet he's a solid coordinator, but he doesn't look like he's the type of guy who can honestly be a head coach. His record right now is 12-38. and 38, And if the Jaguars lose this Thursday night, I would not be surprised if Bradley is the first coach given his walking papers.
2: Look, this is coming from a Jaguars fan myself. And uh, let me just correct you, Josh. Gus Bradley, out of his 54 games with the Jaguars, has only won 14, which is just Pretty abysmal, regardless of the lack of talent the Jaguars have had before this year and last year. Look, this was this last week's performance. They scored one touchdown and the fewest amount of yards against the league's worst defense in the Oakland Raiders. They scored 16 points. Blake Bortles threw two more interceptions, one that was in the end zone to three Raiders. And they just seemed lethargic and had little energy. They had 13 penalties, 122 yards. They had two players get ejected. They're two and four. They had pretty high expectations coming in. If Gus Bradley, if excuse me, if the Jaguars lose this Thursday night game, this is a season-defining game for them. If they win, then maybe they're trending upward. If they lose, then it's going to be another five and eleven season in Jacksonville. And I have no doubt that Gus Bradley will be fired before the end of the season. And if I were, and as a Jaguars fan, I would hope. Fairly soon because this team has too much talent to be two and four and where they are, especially in the type of division they're playing.
1: Personally, not just as a Jaguars fan since nearly the beginning, but as someone who lived in Jacksonville, Jaguar fans had every reason to give Gus Bradley excuses going into this season, but Shod Khan really lit a fire saying, this year there is no excuse. If you're not at least decent on the field, sorry, you're gone. And I really think if he wants to give the Jaguars that air of respectability that he wants, then especially if they lose Thursday night, which as many games as I've seen between the Jaguars and Titans, anything could happen, then yes, Gus Bradley's going to win the sack race, and he deserves to. You need to make this job at least as decent as possible for whatever coach that you can hire because you might not get too many interested parties the way that this is going.
5: 14-40. and 40. I, I don't know how Gus Bradley has a job either. I also don't know how Marvin Lewis still has a job. But that's another that's a story for another time.
3: We, we've we had this discussion. I <laughs> <Yeah>, I know. <laughs> But somebody on. who actually also deserves to be fired is Mike McCoy. Because, wait, Ooh, no, man. I do not mean Mike McCoy. He has been, he's out there doing God's work coaching the Chargers. I yeah. mean Mike McCarthy because the Packers. Wow. Whoa.
1: Whoa. The Packers Whoa. looked like they okay. should have been set
3: up to be a team that was set to go for the next five years when you look at their roster a couple years ago. And right now they are looking like, If they're lucky, they will get a wild card spot. Another coach who has got to be on the hot seat is Chuck Pagano. But, of course, Mr. Ursay is uh, turning into a crazy person. So who knows what he's going to do? I mean, last year, Pagano was going to be fired until the last week of the season, and he was given a three-year contract extension. So your guess is as good as mine when it comes to that. But I feel like those are two coaches who definitely need to be uh, sending out some job applications soon.
5: You must be burning bricks, Josh, because that's the one bull prediction right there. Mark McCarthy out in Green Bay. I just don't see it happening. All right, so let's let's get to the Sunday night game here. 6-6. Six, six. It was 3 nothing at halftime. I'm pretty sure we all here – stop watching it at one point. I know I stopped watching it at halftime because it was 3-0. I wake up, and uh, Eric's tweeting, oh, the tie. I'm like, wait, what? Tie, what? And I was just – I was livid. I'm pissed. How in God's name in any sport, even soccer? I know soccer has a lot of ties. Hey. But how do you have a tie in a sport? Let's go back to – I think it was 1997. Herm Edwards. What did he say – He's, this is one of the greatest coaching ranges in NFL history. What did he say? You, you play, play to win, to the, win game. the game. You don't play You play to win the game. You don't play to tie the freaking game. You know what ties are for, Eric? I know Eric has a rebuttal on me. Ties are for suits. Not for football games. Not for soccer games. Not for baseball games. No sports at all. No Ties, ties no are
3: not suits. an American thing, okay? Come on. Remember, we are the country that decides to go and invade places because we
1: want to give them
3: democracy we don't do ties
1: okay all right first of all as someone who has seen pretty much every code of football known on the planet including my personal favorite australian that aside i can understand the fear of ties Yes, we are the country that invented extra innings in baseball. Even though sometimes games will last until 5 a.m. and you have pitchers hitting three-run homers because of ties, I'll set that aside. I don't mind ties if they're great games. For example, Pittsburgh-Atlanta a couple of years ago with Carolina. Those were high-scoring ties. I love high-scoring ties. And yes, Everybody who says ties on a sport, college football has been played since 1869. There were no provisions for even any sort of overtime implemented until 1994. So I get it. A little factoid. In the history of Monday Night Football, there was only one tie that ended in overtime. That was 1984, the St. Louis Cardinals, whose kicker missed three potential game-winning field goals. So the Cardinals, as a franchise, have done this before. If you're going to give me 75 minutes of football, which I don't mind, staying up until past midnight when I have to get up at 730 for work, which is tolerable, at least give me an exciting game. Dear God, if it's 3-3 or if it's 6-6, just end it there. Put us out of our misery. Go back to pre-1974 and go without overtime in the regular season if you have to. I personally would be okay with that. But yes, soccer, rugby, there are ties for a reason because those teams were equally good. And in some cases, in a very boring nil-nil draw, Rachel, they're equally terrible. But we can't just blame... (laughs) So oh, what's go wrong ahead.
4: with the NFL using the uh, college system then?
1: No, no, the college exactly. system is crap. I mean, yes, it leads for a lot of high scoring. I saw the first ever seven overtime game in college football history. Eli Manning had a two point conversion pass broken up to have Arkansas win the game fifty eight fifty six back in two thousand one. You know yeah, what right. the score? You know what the score that reg- at the end of regulation was for that game? They were tied at 17. No. If the NFL wants to do overtime right, they should go back to what they did in NFL Europa. It was perfect. 10-minute period, two timeouts, both teams are guaranteed a possession, then it goes to sudden death. You get that sense of urgency, you're implementing a lot of what they're trying to do now with the touchdowns and field goals, etc., etc., and... It's a lot easier on the players, and it's a lot easier on the fans. Why well, it the NFL a lot easier, doesn't? Do they're going to
4: expend more energy doing that. What if it goes to multiple quarters?
1: No, only ten minutes in the regular season. If it's not settled after ten minutes instead of fifteen, then it's still a tie. Not to mention, you talk about multiple quarters. That's what the playoffs are for. Well, what, well hold on, but the point is to
4: break the tie. The point is to not have ties.
1: What yeah, that, exactly.
3: That is the exact that's an even less desirable outcome. So you're going to be like a football now.
1: and have it go to multiple quarters, even in the regular season. Sorry, I am against that. I'm well, just that's saying what I'm, that's what I'm saying. The college system would work. You wouldn't
4: expend their energy so much. They get breaks in between the the two times that they go to the twenty five, and they don't have to have them go to the twenty five. They can have them go to the fifty or whatever. It doesn't have to be like basically you're automatically scoring. So what happens if those games
1: go to five, six, seven overtimes? That's That's why they added
3: the provision in college football that you have to go for two after the second overtime. So you don't have games dragging on super long.
1: Yet you still do. I've still seen five and six overtime games under that very rule. And I yeah, can even cite another one that I saw at Tennessee. Come yeah, on now. college football is the Wild West. You get busted
3: coverages all the time. You see the plays that happen in college football, and they don't happen in the NFL. You can't just assume because certain events transpire in college football the way they do, that it's not, it's going to carry over to the NFL.
4: But but that's what I'm saying. You don't have to have them start at the 25. You can have them start at the 50.
1: If, that way you don't have do, the... If you're going index. to do that, hey, I say keep it at the 25, but make it their own 25. That way, if you can drive 75 yards after playing 60 minutes, more power
5: to you. <laughs> That's a great idea for Sean. Bring the college system into the NFL. Forget, the, forget time. and Just, just go 6, seven, ten thousand overtimes. overtimes. You do not end the game on a tie. I don't care what sport it is. Let's have 6, 7,000 penalty kicks in soccer. Eliminate uh, the no,
4: no. extra 10 no. minutes.
5: No. no, no, no. If you're going to do, do it soccer, the do, it like
1: kicks. The, just, no, do it like the old NASL back in the 70s. Thirty-five yards out, one-on-one with the keeper. Five seconds. That was Are we, we
0: getting in soccer that even if it's a tie, <laughs> it's a point okay. still? Like yeah,
1: yeah,
3: yeah. Let's let's keep this to American sports, okay? Oh, yeah. We <laughs> are using the foot like nobody else. We use the mile. We're about we we're, we're literally having half the country wanting to elect a clown as president. Let's. Let us just continue being weird, okay? You know how they say keep Austin weird, keep America weird? No ties.
1: Okay, even in America, we embrace ties in baseball, spring training, college, Arizona Fall League, and again, you had ties in college football for more than a century, a century and a quarter. Get with the times, Eric. No more ties.
3: (laughs) <laughs> Eric, Eric, under that this you're using the same 1800s. logic for your argument that people use to be like this is why we don't pay college athletes cuz we've never played college athletes.
1: We advance. We we athletes. move forward.
3: I <laughs> I'm simply totally saying you're using topic, the same logic for that argument.
1: <laughs> but I'm just saying if uh, you still boy. have these situations, these predicaments and what I'm proposing, you leave the opportunity but you just get to a time if you honestly think that players wouldn't mind having to play a maximum of 70 minutes instead of 75, I think that would go a lot easier. We're not all like Donovan McNabb, who didn't even realize that a tie was in the rule book. I'm not saying, okay, this is abhorrent in situations like Sunday night it was, but eh, it
5: can be done better. Point being, ties are for suits. And for Bangkok, no ties in sports. I don't care what sport it is. All right, fine. Well, uh, you sit before, through a twenty before. inning baseball game that lasts. I will seven sit hours. through a twenty inning <laughs> baseball game as long as the winners decided. I don't care how long it's. In yes, that game. but if it's 0-0 right. oh, going wait. into the twentieth. I've All seen right. that. Before. That's Boy. it. We got we got big issues and ties here.
3: Yeah, I feel what like we've got more those. important topics back. to go on to, so le- let's keep it moving. We'll
5: be right back. It's game time, boys, and we know football. Football to the Max is the podcast for you if you want in-depth analysis over the NFL and college football. We preview all the action coming your way over the weekend. And we break down all the big action after it's happened.
3: Plus, we tackle all the big news topics and discuss everything when it comes to the gridiron. So come check out Football to the Max every Tuesday morning and Friday morning on the
5: W2M Network. Dylan, what are Blake Bortles' first-half stats? 299
0: yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions.
5: He could do better than that. He knows it. Rachel, what's the latest on Big Ben's leg injury?
0: His leg is healing. He should return to the game.
5: The Steelers will need him the rest of the way, so that's a big break for them. Eric, what's the score in Glendale? Cardinals lead the Patriots 42-7. to 7. We all saw that coming. Josh, how are Joe Flacco and Sisa coming on? I
3: mean, I hate to say it, but they're looking good. I mean, they had a great game last week, and they're only one game out of first place in the AFC North.
5: Don't count them being there that long. Do you want to hear more of that? Listen to The Football Five every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern time, only on the WTM network. Also, follow us on Twitter, at TheFootball5.
0: If you're in the Pittsburgh area, look up McCrigger Photography on Facebook. That's M-C-K-R-I-G-E-R Photography. We specialize in senior pictures, portraits, wedding photos, engagement photos, and family photos. Contact us for rates and dates. Would Flex Seal be a better option at your flex position? Do you need a sham wow to clean up the mess you make after your quarterback throws another interception? Then we have the
3: solution for you. I'm Randy Isbell. And I'm Mike Mitchell. And we're here to clean up your fantasy mess with more power than OxyClean.
5: Check out the Fantasy Football to the Max podcast every Monday and Thursday at W2Mnet.com. Welcome back to the Football Five. Uh, what a great uh, well, Thank you, Sean, for bringing that up. Great idea about the college system in the NFL. And thank you, Eric and Josh and everybody else for... The heated conversation. It's awesome stuff right there. But let's get more heated right now, actually. So Josh kicked Giants kicker Josh Brown. Abused his wife. And we're all not happy about that, obviously, because domestic violence is a very serious issue in this world. In this America. And up until about a few hours ago, Josh Brown was still on a roster. Ray Weiss hit his wife in an elevator. He was gone in two seconds. Greg Hardy... Domestic violence out of Carolina, like that. So let's get some reactions here about Josh Brown being on the Giants roster days after this came out.
3: Okay, first of all, we've got to preface it, okay? With both incidences that you mentioned before, Ray Rice and Greg Hardy, it was not until public uproar happened when new evidence came out that there was – they were taken out of the league. You've got to remember, they both were given one-game suspensions, and then afterwards, they were given more suspensions, and that's why those were brought down, and Greg Hardy was allowed to play. But also, we're we're looking at a pattern with the NFL, and you've got to lay, lay this strictly at Roger Goodell's feet at this point. He is spineless when it comes to the owner's wishes because it wasn't him who came up with the idea to cover up the beat ray rice slugging his wife which there was video of and he absolutely knew there was it was the raven's owner biscotti who came up with that idea just as it was the mara's idea to be like hey let's cover it up even though we had our own security come in to remove Chris, Josh Brown's wife and kids from the Pro Bowl. They were aware that this was an issue. They just did not want to deal with the public relations fallout. And you know what? Ironically, it's created an even bigger PR mess. It's like these people don't ever learn anything. It's sickening.
1: Honestly, I have to agree with Josh. Josh, this its home a little bit for me because I am a child of domestic violence. I witnessed it. There were a lot of dark times during my childhood. And what I've noticed in this lies blaming both Goodell who I initially thought did a terrible job as commissioner. I still think he's something of a terrible commissioner. Tag me boo is better. But It's all about protecting the shield, protecting the brain, and sweeping this under the rug. You can even put in Jerry Jones for guys like Greg Hardy and all these people who are terrible people, but great players. And to the extent, the fact that what they can contribute on the field, that seems to be their value above all. But when you have children who still look up to these athletes as role models, you have to consider that and curtail it. The fact that with Mara and Giant's ownership, they knew they had journals, they had evidence. As Josh stated, his wife and kids had to be removed as secure by security for their safety. He admitted it. This had to stop. And especially for a position like his who's a kicker, lest we forget, you could have kept Lawrence Times. You're getting Robbie Gould. You have players that are just as capable as at his position that you did not need to create that nightmare for themselves. And I honestly think that when you're hit with more than a two-week suspension, which was originally in the Ray Rice case, when you're saying, hey, we're not tolerating this, you're out of the league, you've got to find another way to make a paycheck for 30, 40, 50 years, then and only then will these players... Who are white feeders? All of these despicable things. At least begin to sober up and wise up. That or letting the NFL collude their investigations with criminal investigations and sending these guys to jail.
2: It's definitely sickening. It's disgusting. It's unacceptable beyond belief. The way the Giants and the NFL handle this, and the way the NFL has handled prior domestic violence cases is just continuing to show their inability to handle these type of cases. It's like I said, it's simply sickening that they allow these players. To get off. Remember Brown got suspended for one game. I say one game at the start of the season. And I hate bringing this up again, but I always have like to, to compare the way that they handle these cases. I just have to say Tom Brady did get suspended four games for deflated footballs and Josh Brown gets one game. For domestic violence, which is again totally unacceptable the way they handled this. And the way the Giants supported Josh Brown, they had the evidence. The NFL had the evidence. As Josh mentioned, his wife and his kids had to be taken from the Pro Bowl and secured. It's just totally it's really sickening how this was all handled and how he was supported until everything came out and he was placed on the commissioner's exempless until he was released today. It's it can't it cannot be this way. It happens, they cannot. They it cannot be covered up. It can. They cannot let it. For days, they have to take immediate action. They have to let him go, and he should never, ever, ever see the light of day ever again in the NFL. No one deserves. No one should ever who commits that deserve to be back in the NFL. That's what happened to Ray Rice, Greg Hardy, and hopefully now Josh Brown. I hope no one picks him up ever again. And again, just sickening to hear. And again, sickening how. The Giants handled this with the evidence they had. How the NFL again mishandled the domestic violence case with all the evidence they had, and hopefully the NFL over the next couple of years finds a way to properly handle these cases because it is totally unacceptable that the league cannot handle these cases properly. Um,
0: I'm with, I'm I'm with Eric. This this hits home to me. Um, I'm a woman, obviously, and. Um, I have been through a couple spurts of domestic violence myself. Not going to get into detail there; that was not very fun. So I, I can under I can empathize for Josh Brown's ex wife, and I'm angry for her. I'm really, really angry for her because it must suck having. It, it's sickening to think that she's. Out there trying to be a good parent to her kids. I'm sure she's a one parent and she has to hear that a professional organization is standing behind her ex-husband who be her. That's not okay. I read a really, really, really good article on sports illustrated the other day. And it said that if Basically, the whole emphasis of the article was that if Josh Brown was black or if Josh Brown was protesting the national anthem, he would be seen as the most despised human being, not just in the NFL, but probably on the face of the earth. But since he's not, people are letting him get away with it. And you know what? I'm I'm with that. I, d- I don't want to have to bring race into this, but you have to look at it that way. Sure. There was video evidence with Ray Rice, but still he's not, he, he it doesn't matter video evidence or not. It, Josh Brown still fessed up to this. He be- be- beat his wife just like Ray Rice did. Ray Rice is not in the NFL. Hopefully here's hoping Josh Brown will never be in the NFL. But the thing that makes me so angry is that the Giants, excuse me, the Giants backed him. How can you back someone that has admitted to beating his, his wife? It mind boggles me. It absolutely mind boggles me how he can get away with that. And I love Dylan's point. You never hear me agree with Dylan that often. Dylan and I have very different mindsets, but I love Dylan's point where he said Tom Brady gets four games for deflated footballs and um, Le'Veon Bell gets three games for smoking weed. Yeah. Weed's not great, but it's really, it really doesn't do much to you. Let's be real here, folks. And people that are beating their wives are getting off with one game. Yeah,
3: it goes further further than that because I know that domestic issues has been a hot-button issue. But we still are talking about a league filled with players who, fortunately for them, this happened before society kind of caught up. I mean, Terrell Suggs, in fact, has admitted and been convicted of attacking his wife on previous occasions, including right after she had a child, and he is still a working man. In fact, his own teammate Steve Smith said that if there is anyone in our locker room who did that, I would personally beat them up. That just goes to tell you how these things have been swept under the rug. I just saw a clip, and I haven't actually gotten a chance to take a look at it, but it is uh, our good friend Chad Ochocinco Johnson talking about how the NFL is all about controlling their players. They want their players to be walking billboards, and that's how they end up doing things like this, being terrified middle America will be horrified of their young black millionaires partying as they would be if they were working a 9-to-5 job, but and also covering up when their players do heinous things because they don't want to have to deal with the PR fallout. And of course, in the 21st century, everything comes out. There are cameras everywhere, everything's on Twitter, somebody's going to leak it out, and it just becomes a bigger issue than it needed to be.
1: Well, I want to go back because with what Rachel brought up through that Sports Illustrated article, and Josh about PR and image perception... They are both somewhat very sad, but very true. Because the NFL, even going back to the early 60s, way in the early days of Pete Rozelle's tenure as commissioner, you had these similar image problems. You had players, Paul Horning was suspended for an entire season for a game. You had players with issues with their wives, issues with violence and all these sorts of things. Yes, they were more swept under the rug even back then because of information, but if you go back and look at clips of the Ed Sullivan show, Ed always pointed out to a popular NFL player every week who was in the stands. Why? Pete Rose said, we have an image problem, we need to get in front of this and fix this for middle America and at the time to grow our fan base let us try to change this. Let's get some popularity and be recognized for good things, et cetera, et cetera. But now, with this explosion of technology and all of this data, which is available 24 7 that can be converted to information, it's much, much harder to keep up. And unfortunately, with demographics of Americans as a whole, those racial issues are, sadly, much more prevalent. Middle America is looking different, so you have a different audience to plead to. And unfortunately, these are the results.
5: Obviously, something's wrong with Josh Brown. If he's going to go ahead and do something to beat his wife, something's obviously wrong with him. <clears throat> I hope that he gets the help he needs. But I also think he screwed himself over a lot with the kid knowing how my dad the first six years of my life with my mother he screwed himself a lot he's not going to be able to see those kids as often as he would like to he'll
0: if never ever play in the NFL,
5: if ever he'll never play in the NFL again so domestic violence ruined his life but I do hope that he gets the help he needs and um, way to go Josh you you, you ruined your, your own life just because you can keep your hands to yourself. Way to go! Okay. So that's everyone's take on Giant Kicker Josh, Brown. former Giants Kicker Josh Brown. Now let's get to some football. I'm ready for Sunday night, and I hope this one does not end in a tie. Dak, Wentz, Cowboys, Eagles. The hype is real for me. I don't know about the rest of you.
2: This is going to be the matchup of two rookie quarterbacks that we've frankly been waiting for all, all season. This is always a very, very interesting and intriguing divisional rivalry. And we've seen these two teams collide in Week 17 a couple of times the last couple of years, which usually decides who either goes to the playoffs or wins the division. And this year, we're looking at an Eagles team that's 4-2 and two and a Cowboys team that's 5-1. and one. Both of these teams were not in this position last year. Now they meet on prime time. Hopefully, we can get an improved prime time game from what we've had the last couple of weeks, especially last week's 6-6 tie. We're going to have two quarterbacks who have played exceptional so far this season in Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott. We've got an Eagles defense that is probably, alongside the Vikings, the best in the league. And we've got a Cowboys team on Prescott. Ezekiel Elliott, the rookie, is playing like Everyone expected him to. Cole Beasley having an emergence and their defense, while not being one of the top two in the league, is a pleasant surprise given not being one of the most talented and being depleted with suspension, suspensions and injuries. While I can't say this is going to be a great game because knowing what prime time games have given us and basically football in general this year, there hasn't been too many great games. But if I had to pick a really good game between 4-2, 5-1, two, two exceptional and very intriguing rookie quarterbacks, I'd have to pick this one.
1: Personally, I was, the way that the Eagles have been performing a little bit on defense the last couple of weeks, I think thought that the little bit of the laughter would be gone, but thankfully with last week's performance, it's back. I am personally hyped up because I thought that these two teams were going to meet each other undefeated would have which would have been delicious. But you're you're going to see a good game. Are you going to see a high scoring game? No because defenses love to go up against rookies. I think this will be the biggest test in particular for Dallas' offensive line, given how Philadelphia's front seven has been playing and pressuring quarterbacks the last few weeks. So while I wouldn't mind another tie, just for the record, if it winds up being a 21-17 or even a 16-13 that's about what I would expect. Who, which quarterback is going to make a bigger play against the defense, which defense is going to capitalize most. So there are a lot of matchups all around that you can look forward to, not just how Dak is going to do against Carson Wentz. Here's my
3: thing. I am going to really enjoy watching this game, but purely from a technical, oh, let's see what this defensive formation is. This is not going to be an exciting game. Eric, you said it best. It's going to be a defensive battle, and both defensive coordinators are probably staying up at night just dreaming of all the things that they can throw at these young quarterbacks. I mean, as good as they have been so far this season, they are rookie quarterbacks, and we both have seen that, that they are incredibly limited in what they can do. They What they do, they do very well. But they don't try and leave their comfort zone because they know that bad things will happen, and that's exactly what each is going to try and force those quarterbacks, what each defensive is going to try and force those quarterbacks into.
5: It could go either way. I, I just think that Dak versus Wentz, you see that, and you're like, wow, this could be a great game, either if it's offensively or defensively. Okay, so we're halfway through the season now. So we're going to go ahead, and I've asked each of you to pick who you think right now is the NFL MVP for 2016.
1: I have been so torn, especially with games over the past couple of weeks. But personally, for what the team has done, what the offense has been able to do, and how he's matured as a person and as a quarterback, my midseason MVP would go to Derek Carr for the Raiders. I mean, I knew this was going to be an up-and-coming team, but I'm looking at the Raiders, their record right now, what he's been able to do under center. I take him out of the equation. The Raiders are nowhere close.
3: I've got to say, for me, it is a toss-up between Matty Ice Ryan down with the Falcons and Tom Brady. The only reason it outright isn't Tom Brady is because he hasn't even played four games yet, but... Whoo, he has been putting on a performance for the ages. I mean... I am by no means a Patriots fan. They have broken my heart on numerous occasions. The last time I cried because of a football game, it was because of the Patriots. But, I mean, I'm going to have to admit it. Once Tom Brady is gone, I am going to miss seeing this type of brilliance.
2: For me, I have to go with Matthew Stafford of the Detroit Lions. Last year, they struggled mightily on offense, mostly with the running game. Flash forward to this year, there was out Calvin Johnson, who many considered the cornerstone of that offense. And without them, they many ex- expected them to struggle more this season and have a, a worse season than they had last year. But kid you not, they're four and three, competing for second place in that division and for a wild card spot with halfway left to go in the season. He has been exceptional this season. He's been one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's limited turnovers he's had some but he's not had it as much as he's had in the past and he's controlled this team he's really helped this team grow because he's a veteran he's been there before and without Calvin Johnson they had to settle in with some new faces he's helped them get over 500 through the first half of the season and if he can keep it going he's gonna be right there along with other names like Tom Brady and Matt Ryan and others but right now I gotta give it to Matt Stafford
5: I gotta go, with Tom Brady. Yes, he's only played three games, but you know how many passes, how many, how many passing yards he has through three games. One thousand and four, three games, three games, one thousand four passing yards. That that right there, if he played the whole season, that's god, god. I don't even know math, but that would be over five thousand yards. I can imagine. Tom Brady is my MVP right now, even though he's only played three games. It's just he's just the goat, right? He just proves it all the time.
1: Real quick, since I do know math, 536?
2: Okay,
5: fifty-three hundred yards. Would that be an NFL record?
1: No, I think Breeze eclipsed that record. I think that was closer to about 55, but it would be
5: close. It would be like top 5 all time. And I believe also Brady also has 8 touchdown passes in 3 games. Yeah, so if you extrapolate
1: that, 8 times 5, 40, so you're looking at about 42, maybe 43, which yeah, <laughs> he's done that before.
5: <laughs> yes, he has. While we wait for Rachel to make her pick for his MVP, I want to go to Dylan's point. Matt Stafford. A lot of people will going to listen to this and be like, "Is this kid crazy? Matt Stafford? Yeah, hello. Matt Stafford is has thrown for 4,000 yards each of his first five seasons. Now he's doing it without Megatron. with Mega who? As I like to say, Mega who? Because everyone said, oh, you know, the lines are going to crash without Calvin Johnson. They're doing great.
3: Yeah, I mean, I've got to say, I'm impressed. It looked like Matthew Stafford was being propped up by Megatron early in his career. But right now, it looks like Megatron's brilliance was kind of limiting uh, Matt Stafford in what he could do as a quarterback. Because instead of showing his decision-making and his precision, he was just throwing jump balls to Calvin because – I mean, I don't care who your quarterback is. He could have had Tom Brady. That would have been the smartest play to do every time.
0: I honestly don't know who to pick for an MVP because nobody has impressed me.
5: Huh.
0: <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to be exempt from this one because if I would have to say somebody, I think I would go with Tom Brady just because of the numbers. And I hate to say that, but literally no one has impressed me. So, Yeah.
5: Well, there you go. So we, we've given you our Mizzie's MVP picks, and now, now let's we're having some fun here on the Football Five right now. Obviously, I think that at least half of us here, even though you can't do half of with five, you get the point. A lot of us here, our picks for the Super Bowl have gone down the toilet. I know my, I know mine. I know mine. Know Steven, that. Steven,
3: are you going to admit to all the Carolina fans that you are the individual responsible for
5: all their misfortune and pain this season? I won't admit that. I blame the Panthers' offensive line for not predicting Newton giving him time to throw. So That's you're not money, going uh, to
3: blame your uh, cur- y- You blame this on you predicting them to go uh,
5: 19 and 0. No, that, that, that that curse only works Super Bowls and playoff games because I always get them wrong. But anyway, so we're going to go – I don't know who wants to – choose. whoever wants to change their pick for the Super Bowl. We're going to go down the line here. I know Eric said he didn't want to change his. He's pretty confident with the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. So whoever wants to go first, let's do it.
2: Yeah, I would like to say right now I thought the Steelers would make the Super Bowl, and they still are legitimate contenders. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this just because Ben Roethlisberger is hurt. But with the way the Patriots are playing right now, they look like world beaters, including beating the Steelers team, of course, without Ben Roethlisberger, but they still beat them on the road. This is a Patriots team, 6-1, and that one, one loss point with an injured Jacoby Brissett. They are looking like the best team in the NFL, which is why I would like a mulligan with my Super Bowl pick and put the Patriots over the Steelers in Super Bowl 51. And... While they are off to a slow start, I am going to keep my Green Bay pick the same, assuming they get healthy and recuperate from this early-season funk or mid-season funk by the time the playoffs arrive. So I'm going to switch it up to New England Green Bay for my Super Bowl.
5: Who do you have winning if the Green Bay Packers and the New England Patriots make it to the Super
2: Bowl? I will take New England.
5: So I picked the Carolina Panthers to go against the New England Patriots, and God, was I wrong. I I don't don't, don't, don't want to talk talk about
3: it. Oh, no, no, no. no. Eric and I are going to bring this up every chance we can because we warned you about this,
1: okay? We warned you. If I make my trip to Charlotte to see a friend of mine you're coming with, and you're going to explain that to her in person because she is a diehard Panthers fan. I'm just going to yeah. leave the room and let her have at it. Yeah, I might have to
3: have uh, my boy Trey Crosby holler at you on Twitter about uh, what you
5: did to his Panthers. <laughs> oh, my God. This is not happening. But anyway, obviously was Patriots going back to the Super Bowl, so they don't have to worry about my AFC pick. But NFC, God, this is up in the air. Now, the Vikings are not going to the Super Bowl because Sam Bradford It's not taking any team to the Super Bowl. I don't care what anybody thinks. What anybody says, Sam Bradford, Super Bowl, not happening, ever. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna go skip Bills here. Cowboys, Patriots, book it. I mean, Ooh. come on, come on. <laughs> Dak Prescott is God. He is so great. And Ezekiel Elliott, he's running through defense like with a hot knife through butter. I mean, there's no way that nobody stops this this rushing game. At least they could stop the passing game, but they're not stopping Zeke. I think he might be the NFL MVP. <laughs> no, but. If the Cowboys and Patriots do meet in the Super Bowl, which should have happened two years ago in Arizona, the Patriots would win.
3: Hey, I'm sticking with the team that I picked to win the Super Bowl, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, come on. We're the greatest. We've got the best quarterback outside of Tom Brady. We've got the best running back. We've got the best wide receiver. We've got the best coach who's got the most swag. I don't care if nobody said swag in the last 5 years I will still say it cuz that's what Mike Tomlin's got. We've got James Harrison who is a psychopath, but the good type of psychopath you you want at outside linebacker and I'm liking what our youngsters are doing in the secondary. I mean, we're a little banged up right now, but as long as Burgers takes his time and gets healthy, Ben in the uh, in the unlikely chance you hear this, you are not Iron Man, you are not the Wolverine. Get healthy. Stay off the field.
1: All right. Uh, now back to you guys. Okay, I just want to say, A, you forgot Deadpool. B, the first little bit of that whole thing, I could have sworn I was hearing a football fan version of Donald Trump. And finally, C... I remember someone in this very crew saying that. Oh, I was just throwing darts at a dartboard and picking my Super Bowl teams. Look, this World Series that started tonight is Indians Cubs. With the way this season was going, eh, who's laughing
5: now? I don't remember who says anything about dartboards, but Josh. <laughs>
3: that that does sound like something that uh, I would say. I can neither confirm nor deny if I was the person who said it, but in the case, I will sue the person who is making these accusations as soon as the <laughs> football season
5: is over.
1: <laughs> check the tapes. Always check the
5: tapes. <laughs> oh, God. All right. So let's just go ahead and end the show here. We'll uh, do our picks. Blowout, upset of the week, close game. Eric, start us off.
1: Well, you know what? I'm going to flip the script a little bit. I know it's something of a slightly bitter, sweet occasion coming up. So while I do have my picks in mind, ladies first. Lovely Miss Rachel McGregor.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. Um... You guys, I'm very unprepared tonight, so I'm going to apologize for that. Hmm. I'm going to pass it over to Josh because I'm very unprepared.
3: Okay. Now, right now, I'm looking at this. My upset of the week, and I don't even know that um, I can really say this is an upset. I haven't checked the Vegas odds on it. But given how the Lions have looked on offense and how Brock Osweiler is looking like he is the million-dollar man with the straight heist he pulled on the Texans. I, I think they're going to win. I Their defense has been looking a little frisky. Jadavion Clowney is finally showing the potential to be that stud who we expected him to be out of college. So, yeah, I've got to go with the Texans at my upset. For my close game, this is another... Snooze fest. Browns fans, don't even go to this game. Literally do anything else, okay? You know what you should do? Have a mimosa and just enjoy the fact that you've got a team in the World Series and you've got another team that tonight hoisted up their first championship banner, okay? Because the Jets are going to beat you, but it is going to be an ugly game, okay? If this was a heavy night fight, Heavyweight fight back in the 60s. You want to know how they'd be marketing it? (laughs) Here we have Evan Hogan. And on this side, we have Fitzpatrick. Nobody is excited by that. I'm a football junkie, and if this is the only game, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to watch figure skating. That's right, I'm going to go on YouTube and find a figure skating video to watch, because that will be a lot better to watch than this disastrous game. And for my blowout of the week, I've got to go with the Falcons against the Packers. I do not think that the Packers are anywhere near as good as they have said they are. Okay, I do not buy that. And I really have been impressed by what the Falcons have done. They've got a balanced attack. Julio Jones is looking like an absolute monster. Matt Ryan, he's steadying the ship. And their defense is surprisingly impressive. Last week was a game that just wasn't for them to win. But yeah, I've got them blowing the doors off of this game. And just another nail in the coffin for Mike McCarthy's tenure in Green Bay.
0: All right, Josh, that's where you and I are going to differ because I have Green Bay and Atlanta as my close game of the week. Sorry, Josh, but uh, I actually think Green Bay is going to win it. That's my close game. For my upset, I don't know why. I, I just love Rex Ryan. And I just want to see the New England Patriots lose so badly. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Buffalo upsetting New England.
3: I hope that game happens because Bills Mafia is going to go wild, and we will see the most ridiculous tailgate videos coming out of there.
0: It'll be like it'll be like when West Virginia and Pitt go against each other. It'll be wild, and for. My blowout game. I don't know why I should have any faith in the Cardinals after what happened on uh, Sunday night. Let's just erase that from from our memories. I don't want to think about that. But Carolina is just so bad this year, and their defense is so bad this year, their secondary especially, that. I, I see Arizona just blowing them out of the park this week. So, yeah, let's go with that.
1: Personally, with my picks, I, I am sensing a little bit of an agreement here. I, it's getting close to Halloween. It's getting starting to get cold in Buffalo. Fans are starting to get wild up because they're counting down to when they throw the snowballs. But... While I don't necessarily have this as my upset, I do have this as my close game of the week. Rex Ryan, and I'll keep going back to it, doesn't want to kiss the rings, but I think with the shakeup an offensive coordinator, with how they've been this season, and the fact that they let the one against the Dolphins get away from them, I think Rex Ryan is going to have his team hungry. They may not win, but they're going to keep it interesting. As for my upset game of the week, now I don't go traditional upset, which everybody knows, but to me, this would be very significant under the circumstances. While there are no undefeated teams in the NFL anymore, either tying or coming close to a record, for earliest in the season were the last team without a loss finally lost. There's still one winless team, that being the Cleveland Browns. They're at home. They're facing a team whose one quarterback just tore his ACL. And this is going up against the quarterback who was so terrible they had to put in the quarterback to have his ACL torn. For this reason, in something of a battle of dumpster fires, I see the Browns getting off the schneid, getting their first win of the season, beating the Jets. It's simple as that. And for my blowout game, I've seen enough of the Broncos to know this season they're shockingly legit. I've seen enough of the Chargers this season to know, yes, they have a win, but yes, that was very emotional. And yes, it was a game that ended in overtime without a tie. I really don't see it in them that Broncos' defense is just going to go off the charts. And this could be even uglier than what we saw on Monday night. All
5: right, Dylan, it's your turn to make your picks.
2: All right, so for my blowout game of the week, this is not going to be a traditional blowout, but it's going to be one of those old-fashioned, old-school defensive beatdowns. And that comes on Monday Night Football. The Vikings are playing the Bears. It's going to be tough. The Vikings are going to be on the road for the second straight week. They were handed their first loss last week against the Eagles. But the Bears are in total mayhem right now. Jay Culler is expected to start, but how much of an upgrade really is that from Brian Hoyer? In fact, it really isn't much of an upgrade. A lot of their defense is hurt. They can't find a consistency in the running game. And Minnesota's defense is still probably the best in the league. They're going to go wild on Jay Cutler and this injured offensive line. So it's not going to be a high scoring blowout because that's not a Monday night football game, especially two teams. So I'm gonna pick Minnesota in a blowout, but it's going to be an old school fourteen to seventeen point low scoring blowout. So that'll be my blowout of the week. And in terms of my close game of the week, it comes up in London when the Redskins take on the Bengals in the final game in the final game of the international series this year until Mexico City. This is the final game in London. As we've come to know, games in London are always close and they're always low scoring because jet lag, whatever you want to say, they're always close, and these two teams happen to be fairly even matched. Washington is coming off, their four game win streak being snapped. Despite it being against Cleveland. Cincinnati got its win that they desperately needed. They needed to get off the schneid. They did. These are two very evenly matched teams, as I said. But I'm going to give it to Cincinnati in at least a field goal game. It's going to be extremely close, low scoring. But I see Cincinnati pulling it out in a very, very close game. And in terms of my upset of the week, there are a lot of games here that are going to come down to the wire. So it's hard to pick an upset, but for me, I am going to pick down in Tampa. I just have a feeling that Tampa Bay is turning their season around. I get it; they played San Francisco, who is probably the the worst team alongside Cleveland. But they, again, they snapped a losing streak. They got back to two and three, so they are near five hundred. And Oakland, who is playing very well is going to be on the road for the second straight week. That's never an easy thing to accomplish. And I just have some sort of feeling that Jameis Winston's going to have a good game. And despite them, the Raiders stopping the Jaguars, this is still the worst defense in the league. I have a feeling Jameis Winston does well enough. They make enough plays and the Bucks pull off a very close upset win.
5: As always, great picks by everybody. I would, I would pick differently from what you guys picked, but uh, to each their own. All right, so I'll start with my upset because it's the first game going down the list here. Uh, I'm with the. Um, I, I remember which one of you guys said, Buffalo over New England, but I'm going Buffalo over New England. That was I, Rachel. That was Rachel. Okay, I'm going Rachel. Buffalo over New England. Uh, Rex Ryan, they shut. It was, it was Jacoby Brissett, sure. But they shut the Patriots out. The Patriots still had Julian Edelman. I don't know I don't think they had Gronk. They had Laguerre Blunt. They shut him out still. Yeah, Tom Brady coming back, but the Bills have shut out the Patriots. I have a feeling they're gonna sweep the season series. Which doesn't happen much in the AFC East for the Patriots. Close game of the week, Sunday night football, of course. Cowboys Eagles. Dak wins. Josh, you say that this game's gonna be a defensive battle. Okay. If it's a defensive battle, the winner of this game will be decided on which quarterback makes plays in the last two minutes. This could be a 3 nothing score. Cowboys kick the game-winning field goal, no time left, and it doesn't end in a tie like last Sunday night. I hope it doesn't end in a tie, because I don't want my Cowboys going to any ties. And my blowout, um, I'm with Dylan Monday night. The Vikings are mad. We lost to the Eagles. Six sacks on Bradford is not acceptable. I mean, Coach Zimmer used stuffed animals and stabbed them to mimic what the Vikings look like against Philly. They're mad. They're going against Jake Cutler. He's he's returning this week from his thumb injury. They're mad. They're going to just do claw of the Bears big time on Monday night. So a few notes before we wrap up here. First, I want, to, I want us to be the first to wish everybody a happy Halloween. And sadly with the end of this episode comes to the comes the end of Rachel's time with us here on the Football Five. Rachel we want to thank you for your co- contribution to the show these last 7 weeks. And we wish you best of luck with your photography and with your new job in the newspaper and your all the other stuff that you're doing. Keep doing great.
0: Oh thanks guys. Hopefully I'll be back for another episode or two but it's been it's been a lot of fun and I, I met some really great people I would have never met Josh and Eric I already knew Steven and, and and Sean too I would have never met them without this so I'm I'm really really happy I got to meet you Quota, quotation marks meet you guys
5: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
5: <laughs> so that's gonna do it for us Josh Delori, Eric Watkins, Dylan Goldman for the final time Rachel Mercurier, I'm Steven Er. enjoy week 8 we'll be back Next week, to recap it all and preview and recap, yeah, recap it all and preview week nine. Goodbye. Okay, hey, Josh, what go for it. Cold.
3: <laughs> all right, yeah, I, I that that
5: was that was Rachel. Ouch. That was cold blooded. Ouch! Cold blooded. <laughs> all what right.
0: Cold blooded. What did I do? You didn't, you didn't say, say anything about Dylan
3: in your goodbye.
0: <laughs> oh, no. Well, fuck him, so I mean... Well,
3: gonna... yeah, I know. I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Trust me that there's a lot worse, but thanks to a tie, hint, hint, really we decided to be civil.
3: 18 plus.